0: I'm sorry,
1: you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like.
2: What a stop! Josh from Ben! Darren ah, Ben! Yes! Jordan, yeah. Jordan, Henry. Jordan Henry. Henry.
1: I mean, that sort of stuff. We're, it, it's been. We're better, we're bigger than that.
0: That interview is just like the performance, flat. No.
2: What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, he's. Well,
0: it, Say something.
2: We we were doing what we'd done for twenty years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Adrian
0: Barry on show. Dave McIntyre. Do you wish? That's not really technically a roll call reply, but you know <laughs> we know you're here. Nathan Murphy. Nathan, no
1: No, just Nathan. Nathan Nathan there was no, There's no Irish translation of really? Nathan no, Did you feel a bit left out?
2: No I well, felt I pretty the, cool Did you? What's yeah. the Irish translation for Adrian? What do you think? Adrian
1: Adrian <laughs>
0: <laughs> No a bit like Nathan over there There isn't uh, There's nothing There's absolutely nothing uh, Gilroy.
2: Neil Che on show. Toshay Selehris. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: I think at this stage now there'll be letters sent to the uh, community services about Jer's <laughs> lack of <laughs> attendance at the Friday Football podcast. He's Get the Department it. of Education onto it. Yeah, his parents will be getting called in, I suspect. Jer's been mitching off all for weeks. <laughs>
0: Everybody up to watch the eclipse?
1: Yeah, well we're up about four hours at that stage, we didn't actually have to get out of bed for <laughs> half nine, unlike you. Why
0: are you why, why are you talking about the two of you as a collective? <laughs> this is it's an unusual. We're in, a
1: similar, we're in a similar position in our life. <laughs> in a that until again, half nine is. I'm
0: no. I'm no wiser. Right, you've got kids essentially. Yes. Yes.
1: So you you specifically set your alarm to get out of bed for half nine is what you're saying.
0: No, it was a bit earlier than that, but uh, quarter past. What? <laughs> You're not addressing the, answering the question. We did you watch? We did the spend the night well. together,
1: and I no, we didn't see the eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> I went outside. I went outside. <laughs> Although the latter part of that
0: suggests <laughs> that uh, the first part of that was a lie. But anyway. I did go
1: outside and I walked around the house, but it was too bloody cloudy. But it did get very dark. All oh, right. Did you not notice?
0: Yeah, no, I did. I was just sitting. I was sitting at home doing uh, uh, mountains of prep work for the podcast, and I didn't, I didn't really imagine. get a bit dark for a while. All right, yeah. Um <laughs> It's
1: really exciting, wasn't it? It's it's as exciting as the opening of this podcast. All
0: kicking off. Uh, But all is good besides lads, yeah. Yeah, I've got some bad
1: news though, Adrian. You weren't here last week. Hang on. Let's kill that music. What is the worst thing you want me to be telling you about last week's podcast? That it was any good? Well, it was top quality. We went through our players of the year and our young players of the year and got great feedback.
0: I doubt that greatly, but go ahead.
1: McIntyre's treble came in.
0: Oh
2: my God.
0: Yeah. Did anybody check to see if mine came in?
1: You didn't do one. All right. Yeah.
2: That was a pretty good treble. It was just under 8-1. to one. Yeah. Right. Did you put a
1: fiver on it? Nope. No chance. Nope. Yeah.
0: Anyway, the Champions League draw was made today. Anybody get anything to say about it? Uh, PSG against Barca. We've got a Madrid derby. We've got Porto Barn and Uve Monaco. Obviously, PSG and Barca is probably going to get most of the attention. And Madrid derby, I guess.
1: No English teams there, but has the greatest mind in English football says, just one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that, Roy Hodgson? <laughs> just Roy. One of those. First, things. one of the first questions, obviously, he's asked at the press conference yesterday. It's just one of those things. Of course it is, Roy. Yeah. Of course it is.
2: <clears throat> the Madrid derby is obviously fascinating,
1: especially because Atletico, well, haven't lived up, and understandably, considering the players they lost, haven't quite, particularly in the league, matched their performances of last season. But against Real, they have.
2: Yeah, they've hammered them in the mm. cup and in the league this season. They did only barely scrape past Bayer Leverkusen but on the flip side Real Madrid should have been knocked out by Schalke. So it's very hard to know what you can read into the second round ties.
0: Yet for all that Manchester City uh, say they don't want a Diego Simeone they say he's not somebody necessarily that the border that keen on and are we all presuming it's Manchester City against West Brom by the way the early game on Saturday is it just presumed now at this stage that Manuel Pellegrini I mean there's a lot of talk in the newspapers today but the clear out there's going to be a lot of big names Yaya Toure probably chief among them I think Nasri uh, Zeko was definitely mentioned Yavetic uh, obviously would be on his way I would assume
2: I'd be amazed that if Carlo Ancelotti was not the Manchester City really? manager come mm. the start of the next season I'd be amazed no.
0: there's, there, there's one thought that what they'll do is they'll hang on for another year or maybe get somebody in pr- probably not temporarily because that's not really the Manchester City way but that the end game is Pep
1: But the end game for lots of clubs I'd imagine is Pep Manchester United, the end game is Pep Pep could easily take 2-3 years out after he's at Bayern Munich and take a break and go off to New York again for 18 months and mm. rest and relax We man- can't afford to wait Manchester no. City can't afford to stick with Pellegrini He was the right man for the job a year, 18 months ago He brought a certain calmness to the club, Mm. which is exactly what they needed after Roberto Mancini. There was so many divisions within the dressing room. But this season, they're, again, are just a reflection of his personality. There's no real drive or passion. You never, even his post-match press conference the last night was quite boring. I'm not worried about my job. No outrage about the referee. There's never any outrage about anything. There's just no spark, which particularly in the Premier League, rightly or wrongly, just... Doesn't work for fans. No. You and you,
0: you need that public spark, don't you? I mean, outside of. Because we don't know what's going on, obviously, in you know uh, Manchester City training necessarily. You could be losing the plot. But well, like like publicly, Paul Lambert you do need that outrage.
2: I mean, the, all, the, all the fans wanted from Paul Lambert was just some kind of sign that he was passionate about what was happening at the club that he was passionate about getting them out of the relegation zone that there was a bit of spark there was a bit of bite about him instead of this real dour gruff post-match press conference Mm. where you know we'll work really hard and all we can do is you know put faith in the players and that's when that's why Tim Sherrod was such a good fit for them because he was the complete antithesis, antithesis of Paul Lambert I don't know what you do to get The opposite of Manuel Pellegrini but it is incredible that they are in a situation seemingly after all the money they've spent over the last four years they need an absolutely massive overhaul of that squad
1: Well you look at the squad and aside from Mangala pretty much every player is mid to late 20s heading into early 30s and even the guys who are in their mid 20s the only one you could say is in his mid 20s is Sergio Aguero everyone else (laughs) is late 20s, early 30s and how they've let it get to this stage without investing properly in young players maybe the bulk guys like Scott Sinclair never worked out but they never really gave him the opportunity <clears throat> to show that it could work out well did they
2: buy him because they felt he could work out or because he was English
1: yeah and perhaps they also thought well he, he actually didn't cost them a huge amount yeah. of money there's no risk involved here
2: who's the last academy player to come through Manchester City has there well, been who's an the last, academy who's the player? last
1: academy player to come through at Chelsea well, probably John Terry. Yeah. But Chelsea are top of the league. Was John the Terry
0: at Chelsea Academy? Was he yeah, yeah. was. Yeah, he was. The came point from West Ham at what, 16 or
1: so. The point I'm no, no making no, that is that. They no, John Terry was there his entire life. They have no man, track man.
2: record whatsoever of guys coming through. Like, at least in the last couple of years, at least we've seen it at Liverpool, at least, you know, at Old Trafford, you've seen Adnan Yanazai coming through, and then Blackett and Lindegaard and um, McNair. They've all come through this season. There's nobody banging on the door like a Harry Kane for example saying I'm one of us I'm one of this part of this club I want to be playing in this team I would be very fearful if I was a Manchester City fan and I will say this now for weeks I have been raising the possibility of Manchester City not qualifying for the Champions League and for weeks people have laughed at me and it is a very definite possibility now this could happen they could finish fifth
0: Just before we move on to that point on the previous point why does it matter if Manchester City Put it to you, they're not the sort of club that really depend on having a great academy system and having a bunch of players. They're not reliant on the funds that provides, and they're not reliant on having a squad that's roughly built around one or two or three or four players like Chelsea were, obviously, over a number of years. That they they can just go, but they can just go and they can just buy whoever they want, and they They can they can try and make a team out of it. That it doesn't matter the age profile of Manchester City doesn't matter. They're
2: hindered by. FIFA fair play rules Financial fair play rules They can't well, just go out yeah. any There was the whole Do we have the money To go out and buy Wilfred Boney Yes we have the money mm. But can we spend it Or do we breach The FFP rules Secondly They are reliant On two or three Main players I mean Vincent Kompany Has been really poor For the last three years. I'm not months. saying
0: They're not reliant on, on, on a bunch of players But that necessarily They don't have to be The Frank Lampards The John Terry's That are at the club For 10 or 12 years
2: but they're uh, reliant on players who've been there for four or five years, six years. Company's been there since Mm. 2008, for example. Aguero's been there for four years now. Torre's been there for five years and all of these players look like they are not playing well at the moment. This could be still the best to come from Aguero, but definitely the best of the career of Vincent Company and the best of the career of Yaya Torrey has already come and gone.
1: I think there is a couple of points on their youth system and you'll know this because you went to see their youth academy and it is going to be and it is already the best youth academy within English football and possibly in like Europe they've invested the a huge amount of football but it takes a lot of time to get players to come through that system and Manchester City are five what was it five, six years after Roman Abramovich both Chelsea did the Abu Dhabi Consortium come in and buy Manchester City so maybe that's one of the reasons why the players aren't coming through the system but also and maybe this is more worrying is that Chelsea are working the transfer system brilliantly when it comes to young players. I just mentioned nobody's come through the system. But they've got, what, 30 players out on loan? Mm. Nobody's coming directly in to the first team from the academy. The likes of Josh McEachran. Remember when Connor Clifford was there and everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing and never got an opportunity. But they're buying these young players, 16, 17-year-olds, and spending a million, two million, maybe even a little bit more on them when they're 16, 17, loaning them out to Vitesse Arnhem, loaning them out around Europe. Mm. And even if they never make the first team squad at Chelsea, they can sell them for 7 or 8 million in Nazar's brother. They're going to sell this summer probably for eight or nine million. We'll have never got near the first team squad. Oh, and, because, because and that matters because of financial that, fair play exactly as that, opposed
0: to any sort up, of philosophy at the club system. to bring players through. And even
1: if one or two of those guys do come through they learned their lesson obviously like with Nemanja and letting him go. Yeah, Thibaut Courtois is a perfect example. I was
2: commentating on inter um, Wolfsburg last night. Who was playing for Wolfsburg? How was your flight back? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne was playing. Yeah. Good yeah. atmosphere say, was it? Wolfsburg paid 18 million pounds for him. Chelsea paid six. And Manchester and City, just, City just now... sums up what you've been saying for the last two well, months. Well, there's a
0: notion that he might come back, right? This is no, the you know, Manchester City. To City, right. No, it's, it's uh,
2: Manchester City yeah, want to sign him. That's a permanent mm. signing. He broke the transfer record for Wolfsburg. Mm. Chelsea almost trebling what they paid for a guy who played six Premier League games for them. They know how to work the system. The guys up top in the uh, suits know exactly what they're doing. And even if two players who are out on loan getting experience at top clubs in their leagues like the Dutch League, like in Germany, like in Spain, come back and make a name for themselves like Thibaut Courtois, but well, then it's been a success.
1: Even somebody like Ryan Bertrand, which went completely under the radar. Ryan Bertrand for me has been the best left-back in the league this season. £10 million Southampton paid for him on the final day of the transfer window. He'd been there on loan. He obviously played in a Champions League final and was part of the team that won the Champions League, but wasn't needed mm. and they still got £10 What million did they get for Lukaku? 28,
2: 28 million. million astonishing. Well, I apologize for that, but obviously didn't inexactitude wouldn't. All right, let's get our final predictions.
0: All right, Bill, final predictions. Presume Manchester City beat West Brom or is there a bit of a European hangover in a word?
1: I think they'll be all right.
2: That's more than one, Dave. I don't know. Nothing's guaranteed at Man City at the moment. West Brom are playing very well.
0: I've put them in my uh, treble, so that will probably answer that one for me. Uh, Pellegrini's 100th game in charge as well. Aston Villa against Swansea. Aston Villa, one of the form teams of the season uh, against Swansea, who are a team... Uh, Not necessarily in the best of forms, and the Sherwood effect obviously has kicked in. Three wins in a row, eight goals scored, one conceded, Uh, two of those against West Brom, mind you, and the other one against Sunderland, who promptly sacked their manager. Any thoughts on Villa Swansea briefly?
2: I think this could be the game of the weekend. I watched Swansea on Monday night for about 50, 55 minutes. They were comfortably the better team. They were undone by that ridiculous deflection of Jordan Henderson, created a whole host of opportunities against Liverpool, and Aston Villa, First half against Pathetic Sunderland Albeit they were excellent mm. And I just think There's going to be goals In this this game This will be a really good game It's not all often That I would say It's a good time To be season ticket holder At Philip Park This will be an entertaining Game of football
1: Gary Monk should be on the shortlist For manager of the year He won't be just because Swansea are, are mid-table But considering what he's had To deal with With injuries With Boney leaving the club And that the, I've been so impressed On him tactically as well That he, the game at Southampton Where people look at Swansea and Southampton I think two clubs similar stature he realised actually this is a serious Swan- Southampton team set Swansea up really defensively didn't have a huge amount of possession at all caught them on the break won the game and he's done that several times mm. this season mm-hmm. he's not afraid to go alright we're not the team of Brendan Rodgers we're not the team of Michael Loudrup who pass teams into submission Beat
2: United home and away beat Arsenal at home yeah good team
0: game of the weekend
2: the game is over my wife doesn't know the result
0: She will come about 5 o'clock on a Saturday evening. Uh, Newcastle-Arsenal is our next port of call. Uh, Newcastle, 10 points (laughs) clear of the relegation positions. 35 points gained. And in no great rush, I would suggest, uh, from a Newcastle point of view, before we discuss Arsenal, to do anything else for the rest of the season they'll get the next six, seven points or whatever it takes maybe even less than that to get themselves over the line and you know while John Carver might be very the Stone Carver axis might be very invested in the idea of getting themselves a job next season I think that horse is bolted and Newcastle just saunter their way to the line lads
1: Yeah do they not want to finish above Crystal Palace well I'm sure John Carver does Yeah. they have a habit all these mid-table teams have a habit of just pulling off a result every now and again And Arsenal above (laughs) any team have a habit of when we think they're on this brilliant run of form which they are and which has put them in a position to possibly even challenge Chelsea over the final weeks of the season. It is the type of game Arsenal could just slip up in.
2: Not this one. Not this one. Not a Newcastle team. John Carver has described his Team as there's, he said, there's absolutely no shite. no flesh left on the bones of this. They team. have
0: one fit central defender.
2: They are in serious trouble. They are in free fall. The ten point cushion they have is.
0: John um, Garvey has described his team as shite. <laughs> I <laughs>
2: well, would doubt pretty, that. He, he's not far off describing them as that. He d- I would be amazed if he uh, got the job in the summer. But Arsenal will just roll over Newcastle. They Newcastle haven't beaten them. Over the last ten years at home, right. and they've got players like Giroud, Walcott, for example, who score hatfuls of goals specifically against Newcastle. And Arsenal won thirteen of the last fifteen. It's quite incredible run of form that they're on. I think it'll be similar to what happened last season and the season before when they were out to Bayern Munich two seasons ago in the Champions League. They were made unbeaten until the end of the right. season, and I can see Arsenal going something doing something similar. A couple of tricky games against Liverpool and Manchester United in particular, but they are going to be a really t- difficult. Uh, team to play against the next nine games.
1: If they go unbeaten for the rest of the season they will go very close to, to Chelsea. winning the title. To winning the title. They I, do have to play Chelsea. They do and they're away to Liverpool in their next game after the international break. It, it is a similar situation to the one we would have been talking about this time last year with Liverpool when Liverpool probably had won probably five games in a row at this stage. Well if they want to win the league they'd have to win every game between yeah. now and the end of the season and that's just not going to happen. And it very nearly did happen. The Chelsea game is the key it's at the Emirates, so
0: seven points back currently.
1: Seven points back. Chelsea. Let's say they win 100. that. That's Chelsea's four points. stuttering slightly, Chelsea also still have to play Manchester United. Manchester United, um, and they have obviously that game against Arsenal as well. So I still think Chelsea will win it, and you just couldn't trust Arsenal to go on that type of run. Yeah, they'll um, draw a game somewhere. They will draw a stupid game somewhere.
0: The Monaco result during the week, I, I like, I, I don't really. I used to support United when I was a kid, and I gave up. Uh, but I really, am considering starting. Did you give to, up to support? I
1: just surely you gave up then, just as the glory years were. <laughs> sort of sums up yeah, your life. Yeah, no, guess. I'm
0: pretty, a couple of years <laughs> older than you, so they were kind of. Yeah, no, probably. Yeah, that's probably a fair <laughs> assumption. And and it, and it does actually make my point for me. Arsenal are team I should start to support because they like that result against Monaco during the week was such a typical Arsenal oh. result.
1: And it was an irrelevant result. It's all very well Arsene Wenger coming out and saying we did this right, we did this right and you know, we passed the ball brilliantly and we were unlucky. And how are people saying, how are Monaco? They're the worst team through to the quarterfinals. That Monaco performance... Just write it off completely Because you're up 3-1 up at home It's such a difficult thing
0: I'll write off the first one
1: No I wouldn't write off The first one at all I think that was the real Monaco I think that's the Monaco You'll see in the Champions League Quarter-final Really hard to break down Getting teams on the counter-attack The Monaco we saw The last night Was a team who didn't know What to do Whether to push Or whether to stick And eventually Arsenal just couldn't Get that final goal
2: But how hard were they To break down Before they got their goals in the first leg, Arsenal opened them up four or five times. On another night, they would have scored two or three. Welbeck should have had at least two. Walcott missed an absolute sitter. They hit the bar. There was real signs that Monaco weren't actually this defensive machine that everybody's painted them out to be. And then on Wednesday night, they almost got knocked out after taking an away lead of 3-1. So Monaco weren't
1: great at all. I don't think they are a great team, but I don't think they're as bad as people are making out that this was one of the great shocks and that Arsenal should have just rolled this side over. I think they're well organised. And I think they will be in the quarter final as well. And I, Going back to the original point, I don't think we can read anything into the fact that Arsenal went there and won 2-0 quite comfortably. What I would read something into is Aaron Ramsey, his performance. If they can keep Ramsey fit between mm. now and the end of the season, he's so important to the way they play and particularly when they have Sanchez out of form, Ozil still just wandering around the place. And
0: yeah, Cazorla gets to go and do something else. Yeah, exactly. Freed from that uh, defensive position. What's, what's, what's happening with Sanchez? One goal, 11 games, just lack of form? or is there a I
1: wonder, has he just played too much football? He played 74 games in 2014, which was more than any other leading player. And he's played practically every game he's played a lot of the cup games as well he played a couple of the FA Cup games also Mesut Ozil has come back into the side so whereas pretty much everything was going down the left wing to Alexis Sanchez he was the outball he was the guy to look for every time mm. now it goes to Ozil a lot more so he's not quite as involved but this had been coming for a while even from kind of November on I remember mm. seeing him in that game against Swansea he was completely ineffectual never got involved hasn't scored many away goals all season playing deeper and deeper I, I don't think it's been as quite a dramatic a dip as Mesut Ozil suffered in form last season. Playing
0: deeper and deeper out of, out of frustration that he's not getting on the ball enough or a tactical thing? Because
1: if he is, I mean, obviously of that might explain something. Some I would like to see him played up front instead of Giroud. Mm-hmm.
2: Giroud's playing well. There's only four strikers in all of the top leagues across Europe who have a better goals to minutes ratio than Olivier Giroud two of which are Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi he has scored 15 goals a season and he's missed what he had broke his leg earlier in the season he's missed uh, 10 to 12 games or is I that? Think he's not a, a bit underrated. like the Chomak uh,
0: uh, stat from was it last season when he had uh, one shot, he a hundred percent record from <laughs> shots on goal.
1: I think,
2: I think there's a cutoff point. You have to have actually taken a certain amount of shots and scored a certain <laughs> amount of goals in order to be considered for this particular short. Well, the list. question,
1: the question over Giroud is still that first leg against Monaco, where they had those chances and he didn't take them.
2: Well, it was a terrible night for him, but I think he's a better striker than people give him credit for. What is the synopsis of Arsenal? Is that that, that they can? Put it together a really good run towards the end of the season, but it just won't be enough. They can definitely finish second. And
0: again, an mm. t- entirely typical Arsenal yeah. season.
2: And may win well the FA Cup, Yeah, play Champions League football next season. There you go.
0: Well, that might be more than uh, Manchester City get out of the season, so that might not be necessarily an entirely failed exercise. Thank you, thank you.
2: Yeah, it's up to you, to, it's the burden of proof you it's
0: on you. you. The burden of proof, lads. Uh, Newcastle Arsenal, you're definitely feeling Arsenal to get the job done. Dave is not so sure. No, it's the other way around. The other way around. Job done when on yeah, Saturday? Next weekend, oh, yeah. it's
2: like this is one of the if, the. if this should be in everybody's trouble. Right. Yeah. It's not in my trouble.
0: It is in my trouble actually. Uh, Southampton, Burnley, Stoke, Crystal Palace, Tottenham, Leicester—all those three o'clock games on Saturday. Uh, the late one is West Ham, Sunderland, half past five at Upton Park. Dick Advocat been out to meet the press today uh, for the first time, and he says that it's a real departure here, that uh, Sunderland have the quality to survive. Which we're all shocked to hear from a new manager of a struggling club, that uh, bit of backing for his, for his players.
1: They, they do in that they probably have slightly more quality than the three teams below them, the three promoted teams. The problem is, the same problem they've had all season except for a couple of weeks where Jermaine Defoe came in and scored a couple of goals. They never look like creating anything and they clearly have no backbone no spine whatsoever the way they've rolled over. Beating 4-0 at home by Aston Villa is a disgrace. Poye had to go after that. Losing 8-0 against Sunderland. So teams know if you can get at them early. And I even think back to that match against Manchester United very early in the season where they drew 1-0. And United were there for the taking. Mm but they just had no real desire to go and push they were happy happy to take the point and think well a point against Manchester United Mm. this is a great result for a club like Sunderland and this time
2: last year they were just this incredible team who were winning these extraordinary games beat United Old Trafford, beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge Conor Wickham started banging goals in and Gus Poy looked like he might actually be a man to be there for the long haul it's interesting that Sam Allardyce could well be the next manager and he's going up there now this weekend there's a lot of speculation linking him with the job at the Stadium of Light because I don't think Avoca's there he's just there to fire fight for the next mm. 8 weeks. Is
0: his his deal is just until the end of the season is it? Current thing. Avoca, yeah.
2: yeah. And it's mm. just a case of who's the next guy going to be. Does Sam already want to take over a club that's in the Championship who are in the Championship because they were beaten by West Ham this Saturday evening.
1: Well, I don't think that's going to be it. <laughs> Sam's mind. Um, uh, I I think they might just about I, I wouldn't be sad too sad to see them go down because it's one less really long trip out yeah, of the way that's well, not the worst actually if it's between them and Burnley I'd prefer to see Burnley go down
2: right it's a lot easier to get decent co-commentators for Burnley though <laughs> these, these <laughs> are the important these factors these are priorities uh, you're,
1: you're a dick
0: advocate man are you?
2: advocate as opposed to what? advocate I just. I would be giving it a, give a, give a soft a tea up, yes up, yeah. it feels nice it feels nice
0: Well, this has that where he said I'll just give it a little rub go on anyway what's your what's your dick <laughs> what <laughs> That is probably the best segue I, <laughs> I've ever achieved. Listen, I'll, I'll listen, my there's no there's no need to even uh, uh, enter the
2: conversation. <laughs> no, Right, let's move on, let's move Just on. Just when you think there are no yeah. more levels for this podcast to plummet to. there
0: entendre there. Wow. Um, Liverpool, Manchester United at Anfield. Dave will be with two live games on Sunday. That's the first of them. Dave and Stephen Reid there. Uh, we'll be chatting to Tony Barrett uh, before that. And then we have Hull against Chelsea, which Nathan and John Anderson will be at and we'll get to in a second. But Dave, Yourself and Ray Houghton did United-Liverpool uh, back in December, 3-0 to United, Mata, Rooney, RVP on the score sheet, Gerrard uh, was on the bench, he uh, started that day, uh, Chan was on the bench, Mignolet was out of form and it was a very difficult different Liverpool team and sort of in some ways it was sort of reaching the critical mass, Liverpool were just turned out of the Champions League, it reached critical mass of this sort of Rodgers out notion I suppose in many respects and then... After that, they—I think—the following game after that they was the Skirtle goal, drew two-two with Arsenal, and it was a bit of a season changer for them in many ways. They changed the system, obviously, as well. Is that just the key to it? That couple of tweaks in personnel that I mentioned, maybe from that United game, and obviously the three at the back thing has just worked spectacularly for them. It's as simple as that?
2: Well, it's not simple, but definitely his ability to change tactics midway through a season when he's willing to admit that it, what he has tried before that hasn't worked. He deserves a huge amount of credit for that. That was the game in which he had dropped Simon Mignolet, and he had brought Brad Jones in for it. Who had a terrible afternoon at Old Trafford. He was made, barely made an attempt to save some of the goals that United scored. And in the post-match press conference, he was asked how long will Simon Mignolet be on the bench for, and indefinitely it was the answer. And of course, the following week in that game against Arsenal, Jones picked up the injury. And Mignolet was back in the team, and it meant that he was forced to go back to a player he'd kind of just. Thrown out by the wayside. And Mignolet's actually been really good since then. The Emery Chan thing has been inspired because he knows he's a really good ball player and he's brought him into that back three. I know Chan certainly wouldn't have arrived at Anfield thinking that he was going to be a defender. And they haven't lost since that day. And some of the tempo and intensity of their play has resembled that which they brought to the game last season. Now the problem for them is they're taking on a United team who maybe just have finally clicked. Now, we won't know until we see this game whether we what happened last that, Sunday... We keep thinking that, though, don't we? Uh... Well, I, well not, n- at no point this season have I thought that until now. All right. Because because, outside
0: of results, but based on performances. Exactly, the yes. results
2: were fine all through the season, really. United have mm-hmm. lost so few games. But very rarely, I'm thinking of the Chelsea game when they played quite well on the one-all draw at times against Arsenal at the Emirates and going forward against Liverpool in that 3-0 win, they were excellent. But outside of those games, they've been pretty much poor or dismal at times in most of their matches. They were really desperate in the second half against Arsenal in the Cup the previous week at Newcastle, typical poor, uninspiring Manchester United display. So I don't know where the first half came from against Tottenham but it was like watching United of two and a half years ago. The zest, the intensity, the tempo they played with, their willingness to work hard off the ball, the tackles they made and the positioning of Rooney up front has been a major change for them as well. Mm. Now if they replicate, I think this is the biggest game of the season for both of these clubs so far. If United win on Sunday, I genuinely think they can finish second. If they lose, there is a very good chance they will not make the top four. That's how, I think that's how much is riding on this game.
0: Secret sauce for Liverpool, Nathan. Your thoughts? Yeah, I the haven't they haven't been beaten in the league since that uh,
2: since December.
1: Yeah, and that was the game he actually changed his tactics for, and he came out afterwards and said, "I felt we played really well." And no, they
2: did play really well going forward. And at the, the back, they were a
1: shambles, terribly. And I don't think we can praise Rodgers enough for what he has done over the last couple of years because he months, did that himself. <laughs> I think you're a bit harsh on him I'm joking, go on, yeah But, like, this is it, It's not often we see a manager Get it back from the brink Quite like this Because he was on the brink I think back to the Palace match Where he seemed so down in himself He seemed to com- be completely with Have no answers And then he comes up with this Change in system A key part of it is That Gerard hasn't been Starting games either He's been injured But also one of the reasons they got back to the pace of last season is that Gerrard isn't there slowing it down and taking extra touches and wanting to be involved in the ball so they're that little bit more explosive. I think he's some big decisions to make this week. I presume he's not going to start Steven Gerrard even if it is his final ever game against Manchester United. You just can't do it. Mm. I think Sturridge, he's shown
0: enough up to now the final whatever of Steven Gerrard that where he hasn't started him. I presume he just continues on that.
2: Well, Jamie Redkamp has just said in the build-up to the game Gerrard must start. Now, I only saw the headline. I haven't actually gone in to see the reasons of why Jamie thinks he should start. It would seem utterly illogical to me that you would bring him back into a side that are playing so
1: well. Yeah, Daniel Sturridge is the other difficulty. He just doesn't look himself. He still doesn't look in any ways fit. I would go back to playing Raheem Sterling down the centre and the system and the style of play that worked so well for two, three months and just leave Sturridge and leave Gerrard on the bench I'm with Dave though I think this is the defining game for both these sides Liverpool at home gives them the advantage going into it and we're still not sure whether that 45 minutes from United was a positive Mm. blip or whether this is actually and whether Louis van Gaal has it within himself now to say okay I may have just stumbled upon this but let's go with it or is he going to think now I need to just change if I just change this slightly I can out tactic Brendan yeah. Rogers. Well, he
2: has been forced into it. The injury to Van Persie and the just dreadful lack of form and failure to settle by Falcao means that he'd no option but to play Rooney up front and then the suspension for Angle mm. Di Maria. He's asked he faces a similar question to the one faced by Brendan Rodgers Does he bring Jared back into the team? Should he start Di Maria on Sunday? I would say absolutely not. There's no reason for him to bring back a player who has not played well for months and put him in the starting eleven for what is the biggest game of your season. And I'm glad you agree that it is such a massive game like if Liverpool are beaten by United on Sunday they're five behind and they have to take on Arsenal in their next game now admittedly United have to take on City two games from now they'll have Villa in the game in between but it just would give United such a cushion over Liverpool at this stage of the season if they were to win it and as we say if Liverpool beat them when they were beaten 3-0 at Old Trafford by United they were 10 points behind them a win on Sunday and they go above United in the table with the same amount of games played. So just for both teams, I think it's the biggest game they will face throughout the entire campaign for now, at least.
0: Are there more reasons to be a positive as a Liverpool fan or a United fan? I mean, I was kind of looking at this and thinking that possibly a United fan has decided to lean down on here. That you know they're beginning to feel out that Lvg is beginning to feel his way that you know, the sort of square pegs and round holes that he was putting a little earlier in the season, I mean, specifically with the position of um, Rooney, and as Dave says, I mean, I suppose what he does with Maria is probably another question as well, but that ultimately what we've witnessed over the last six or eight months is a new manager coming in, didn't have a huge amount of time to prepare, and bought some personnel, obviously, and has just been feeling his way into the job, and then at the end of the season, he's discovered that maybe, you know, Falcao isn't for him, Rooney needs to play up front, Blind is a left-backer, he's a centre-midfielder, whatever it is, but he has now spent the season discovering these, things and there are huge reasons to be positive whatever happens this season
1: I think I would be more positive if I was a Liverpool fan I think they have in Brendan Rodgers the best possible manager they can have at the moment also Liverpool with the amount of revenue they're bringing in the best they can hope for is top four finishes with the odd title run maybe Mm. every three four years for Manchester United is Louis van Gaal the best possible manager for Manchester United right now Probably not. There's, I think he probably. Well, why why I, not?
2: At the end of last season, he was. Now you have to reassess that at the end of this season. He was the right guy to. His arrogance in. and his bullishness I, essentially uh, made him the right a man. Needed a huge name, a guy who's won big things, a guy with a massive ego, a who huge didn't care what anybody else thought about. Him, after the Moyes yeah. debacle, no, now, I, whether I he's agree. the right guy. In eight weeks' time, when they have to look at it again, there's no way he's going to be sacked, no matter what happens, in my opinion. But on your, like, if you ask us that same question in a week's time, which side would be should be the more? I positive won't. I'll, I'll forget about it. Fans? Liverpool fans are obviously hugely positive because they're unbeaten it so long, they're scoring goals and playing well. I mean,
0: I mean, beyond this season, whatever happens. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, thinking longer term here because because both of them have been in this rut over the last few years, and so
1: you know, Manchester United need to be winning the title two years out of three, probably for a manager to be a success. They've fallen a long way behind Chelsea over the last 18 months. And is Louis van Gaal gonna be able to bridge that gap over the next 18 months? I wouldn't be fully convinced.
2: There's no point talking about this. They have to get to Champions League places first. Like it's all about the next six weeks. The 45 minutes we saw in the first half last weekend it could be a once-off. We won't know until Sunday afternoon. If it proves to be another lacklustre, uninspiring, uh, tepid game from United on Sunday, we'll know that what we saw against Tottenham was more down to what Tottenham brought as opposed to more to what United actually brought to the game.
0: The other thing is that LVG is saying that this is going to be his last job, so no matter what happens, if it's you know the end of the season, and things go belly up for him in the next Did while. he not say
1: that previously? Had he not told his wife three years old, definitely retiring? His
0: contract expires in 2017. He's rated hit retirement home of the Algarve. He Wants to spend time with Truce, is his wife. Good old Dutch name there, Truce. Didn't he
2: lose a lot of money in the Bernie Madoff pyramid scheme. Did he? And that was one of the reasons why he actually went back into management. Okay. Why he went back to Bayern Munich at the time. Because people were thinking he was going to retire then. Mm. But he didn't actually Look, really have a choice.
0: He wants to spend time with Truce, And he wants to uh, <clears throat> go to the home of the Algarve. He wants to play a bit of golf. Eat fantastic food. As he puts it himself in my not at all uh, Dutch accent there. And I was kind of thinking about like what was the moment that Van Gaal decided... That's it, I've had enough of this shit. Like, this, you know, this job is just this very pressurized thing. I was trying to pinpoint what it was. I don't uh, want to know what you are uh, doing next year. I can
2: can tell you if you
1: want. Yeah, but I'm not
0: interested. I'm not interested. I'm pretty sure that was it. It's
2: just not worth it. <laughs> that it's was just not the, worth it, Louis. The low point. Dealing with these big every week. <laughs> that was
1: the low point in Louis Van Gaal's career. Just on Brendan Rogers, and British managers and Sam Allardyce, and, well, not putting Brendan Rogers in as a British manager, but Sam Allardyce and Steve Bruce and these guys would say British managers in general don't get a fair crack at a whip. And they're possibly right, because if Brendan Rogers wasn't from Northern Ireland, we'd probably be praising him to high heaven as a tactical genius. And also. Someone like Tim Sherwood, if a foreign manager came in and made the impact that Tim Sherwood had made, there wouldn't be any of the cynicism that's there
0: i, I I'm not sure i hundred agree I actually sort of think I, I think the flip of that you know like I think that Pellegrini gets an awful lot of hassle because he's not British, for example like I don't think I think like what the Tim Sherwood want to take on it's on its own where it's as a wine a wise man says it's like i mean. It's a few games in We all thought there was going to be an initial spike And so it's proved Whether he can do that over the, over the long term Obviously remains to be seen um, And on Rodgers I mean there was every reason for us to be sceptical About his capabilities up to now But is he not getting enough well, credit well, Is well, that your point
1: reason. He led Liverpool to second To within three games of the title last season <laughs> But he gets a hu- huge amount of credit And doesn't also Louis, he
0: had Luis Suarez of one, of the,
1: he one
0: of the greater, greatest strikers of a generation In his team
1: that greatest striker of his generation looked pretty average playing for Barcelona. The other yeah, years.
0: but I mean, you know, I think you've gone too far down that rabbit hole. Is what I'm saying. I think right. that, no, I like, like, so, so, do you not feel with with just to throw it out there with another manager? I mean, you know, I'm not saying any manager, but another manager that Liverpool could have won the league last
1: year. I don't think so. I think he deserves credit for bringing the best out of. Louis Suarez and putting a system in place that got the best out of Louis Suarez. I'm more referencing that it could have been on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned Brendan Rodgers had ruled himself out of the running for the Manchester City job, and this was—it's you
0: that's taking the piss out of him, by the way. That was your point. I remember that.
1: Laughed at, but I'm thinking. (laughs) Well, you were the one who was laughing at. Why? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It was you I it was, was laughing. laughing. <laughs> I was telling you. It was you who was laughing. No, but you, but you brought
0: you. it up on the on the, in the on the premise that ah, Brad Rogers might just City saying, "Forget about what it."
1: What I'm saying is that maybe. We, none of us should be laughing at this maybe Brendan Rodgers should be a contender <laughs> for the Manchester laughing. City job
2: well he was a contender for manager of the year last season did he win manager of the year was Tony Pulis the man who pipped him to it he was certainly in the top two yeah. and as far as I'm concerned that's given him due credit I don't think another manager would have got more out of Liverpool last season they were one Stephen Jarrett slip away from winning the title and given how badly the season started for them the way he's turned it around he should be due a huge amount of credit I think he gets it I don't, I've i never sat here and thought there were a time earlier in the season where I thought with Sturridge injured and Suarez gone that maybe he had been found out and there were legitimate questions being asked well he's answered them since
0: uh, how do we think it's going to go I'm sort of leaning towards United I have to say
2: I think it'll be a draw
1: I'm um, um, probably excited I mightn't look you but I am the draw no I leaned towards Liverpool
0: yeah, alright well that's if we aggregate those out
1: yeah, we sat in the
0: fence. Sat in the fence. Finally, Hull City is our other. Uh, Hull Chelsea is our other game. That's live. Dave with Stephen Reed, by the way. Liverpool United. Uh, Hull Chelsea at KC Stadium. Yeah, I can't wait. Got, he gets got, the got uh, plush. The push weekend, was that a flip of the coin, lads, or how did no, that? <laughs> <It was> McIntyre. <laughs> I've been around here longer than you, <laughs> so screw you.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to be accused of pulling rank. Yeah. Uh, you know this is just the way things worked out in this particular weekend. Yeah. And Nathan is watching uh, ch- Champions Elect.
1: What more do you want? And Steve Bruce's <laughs> well. Hull with their wonderful Irish <laughs> contingents. <laughs>
0: Uh, So Fabregas obviously hasn't been in great form That he might have showed a bit earlier in the season From a Chelsea point of view Oscar and Willian uh, A little bit inconsistent And he's obviously moved on Charlotte who's had some interesting things to say I don't know if anybody's read those this week He's another one of these players Who's rocked up alongside De Bruyne At uh, Wolfsburg
2: Couldn't get into the team last night Couldn't get into the team at the weekend this great Andrew Schurler who should he be lighting things up in the Bundesliga. Essentially
0: the reason that he says is that he had spent so long... He couldn't get into the Chelsea team and ultimately English football teams who are operating at that end of the division don't really train very much they spend a lot of time working on tactics on the training pitch but not necessarily a lot of rigorous training so I suppose his point is that if you make that first eleven or you're a frequently used substitute you're getting good, a good workout because you're playing every in English mm. football in four competitions um, playing every three or four days but ultimately if you're beyond that you're not getting the vigorous sort of training that you might normally get and that's why he's not quite as fit as he should have been and that's why he was on the bench
1: well I think that was quite a unique situation to Chelsea this season where they have used so few, few players, players. Seven of their players, heading into last week's game, had played over 2,000 minutes. None from Manchester City, one from Liverpool, three from Manchester United. And they look like a tired team at the moment. Matic, who I've been so impressed with this season, who I would have had certainly in the running for player of the year, taken off early in the second half last week against Southampton, could have been sent off before that, was completely off the pace. Fabregas was being booed by the Chelsea supporters which I thought was pretty bloody harsh, considering, again, a, a contender for Footballer of the Year. Is the he?
2: Is he up enough off for him for the last one? Well, of
1: he would have been for the first four or five months of the season. Yeah, right.
2: not anymore, I don't think.
1: But he still makes everything just take over for Chelsea, and he's possibly playing a little bit deeper as well. Hazard is the real star though of this Chelsea side And again last week he was the guy who gave them the spark And in the second half He them, never he looks tired
0: I suppose this is the conversation that always comes up with these teams uh, You know Chelsea at one point were overly reliant on, on Matic City at one point were, over, were overly reliant on either Aguero or Torre I suppose pick your moment in time But that now Chelsea are overly reliant on Hazard Or is that just the way these things are That at times you're going to get one player who's playing at a different level to the rest
1: Yeah, and they're probably not. Like, Diego Costa scored again last week against Southampton, took his one chance really well. I think they've just dipped from where they were, which was, we thought this Chelsea side would be the best Premier League team of the last seven or eight years, that they could be one of the great Premier League teams, that they could go and hit 95 points like Mourinho did in his first season in charge. But they've just dipped over the last few months, and one of the reasons is they have quite a small squad, and he doesn't seem to trust the likes of Remy. Except to throw him in for 10-15 minutes yeah. at the end. Doesn't Quadrado had a nightmare against Southampton? Hasn't made any impact since coming in for Shurla, and that was why Shurla left because even though Shurla, say scored against Manchester City at the Etihad earlier in the season, and he used to do well as an impact player off the bench, but eventually that must get into the players' heads as well that well, you do to trust.
2: Fancy. Twelve or thirteen guys. Yeah, but they on the overall alliance of players, I would think that your ability to get by with players when they're not playing well. So it would show that you're actually not over-reliant on any one player because Mm. when Costa went off the boil, Fabregas went off the boil, Manic hasn't been great of late. It is Hazard they turn to as opposed to there being just one player Mm. and when he's not doing well, the wheels come off and I know, stage you really have the wheels come off for Chelsea. So I think they are four top guys. They do seem to maybe share the workload a little but it's just all rather underwhelming at the moment, isn't it? And even when they're Winning games. They're not doing it with any sort of panache or brilliance or flow. You're probably never going to get that from a Jose Sometimes team. Sometimes that's, yeah.
0: that's. But yeah. I don't I do know. There's that something that never
2: really gets me going about Chelsea. Never did either when he was in charge for between
1: 04 and, and Oh, I, I thought that Chelsea team, the first season he was in charge, was just brilliant. They were never
2: swashbuckling, I never thought.
0: Dominant, oh. though. Just very. Oh, absolutely
2: dominant. Yeah. And brilliant. And but and I thought they were
1: killing teams.
2: It's, um, that's 11 years ago now mm. I just feel that They could limp their way Through the rest of their games And win the title
1: But the fact that If they were Still in the Champions League I think there would be Question marks Over whether they will See it out and win the league The fact that they have A week off between games now There's an international break I think we might see A different Chelsea A return to the old Chelsea mm. For the final 7-8 weeks of the season And they could still win this By 12-13 points
2: if, if wants to play One up front i not Quin
0: Quinn uh, He is not Noel Quinn So look well, Let's not overly worry about I mean Chelsea are going to Presumably dominate Holland, beat them uh, And see out the rest of the season briefly
2: Yes I think so
0: uh, The other game on Sunday Is Everton Off to QPR uh, So it just leaves us lads With uh, time to do our trebles Presumably of all
1: Well you missed, you missed uh, The main event of the day Go on So far Dave has been uh, brushing up in his rules.
2: Right. Well, do we have to go into this now? Because it took us long enough for us to actually figure out... Go on, out. give just us a brief synopsis well, whatever bullshit some, you've been... There was some complicated
1: offside decisions made last night.
2: Arsenal-Monaco Tuesday night, there was an incident where Lauren Koscielny hit it against the bar mm. and the flag went up mm. against him when the ball had actually been played into his path by a Monaco defender. Um, yeah, that
0: was a little flick. The keeper was coming out. A lovely, nice little flick, sort of... Uh, yeah, go on.
2: But the flag went up and the question was whether the flag had gone up incorrectly or not but apparently Well it it, had surely Well the ball needs to be played in the direction of the attacking player the attacking player with the defender having had control of the ball so if a ball is deflected into your path by a defender But you couldn't say that was deflected Yes that's why the flag went up because they Would would you say that was deflected? Well,
0: that's the bit that's
2: open to interpretation. Which is to say he
0: didn't mean to header it. Exactly. That's and he, did, he definitely did. I mean, he might not have meant to header directly in that direction. but.
2: And if he d- if it was a deliberate act and the ball was under the player's control, the flag shouldn't have gone up.
0: The offside rule is an ass, isn't it? It
2: really is. But that's the problem for me was, with. and right. this is what myself and Nathan were worried about, I would never heard this interpretation of the <laughs> offside rule when a ball is played back by a defender. You just assume,
0: player. hits the defender, goes back, on. And what it
2: leads me to wonder is... What other rules am I not aware of as a Premier League commentator? And am I going to get? Are there other r- minuscule rules somewhere in the nether regions of the football rule book? <laughs>
0: We're back there again.
2: <laughs> that I'm unaware oh, for of. The
0: first time of this podcast. was well, um, I've never heard
1: it before. To wonder is, if he doesn't know any of the bloody rules, what's he doing? Liverpool, Man United for? <laughs> Maybe he home <laughs> on the weekend.
2: Uh, but you know, the great thing will be is if there's a similar situation at the KC Stadium on Sunday before I had this discussion with Nathan I'm sure he would have been 100% happy he knew the rule there's going to be serious confusion in his mind yeah. now By the end of this he's discuss- to deal yeah. with yeah. this yeah. I did not yeah. have a clue <laughs> offside, what was correct offside I had to get a pair of mugs and a, and a bio <laughs> to show him the offside <laughs> rule in it's most basic form
0: do you want to like, bring us a new rule of the week you didn't know this about the rule book
2: well I'd be worried that I might uncover a few more than I'm unaware of and that will be something I'll keep to myself so ignorance is
0: bliss and let's not go with that item grand to democracy that's the way we roll around here my travel of the week is Arsenal to win at Newcastle City to win at home to West Brom and I'm going for the dick bounce as well uh, Sunderland at West Ham, <laughs> Dick Advocat I Cassie.
1: really hope that, <laughs> that is not in his script. <laughs> it's
0: the Dick Bounce. <laughs> he came up with Sunderland. <laughs> West Ham. We, got,
1: we got up early for the eclipse. This is this is uh, nice up with. Get all of this out there on the podcast. Remember, you're going to be on live national radio tomorrow. Leave the Dick jokes at home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's uh, in fairness, right? You're not slagging me because it's sort of two, three, four to one. I've gone. It's that's eight to one. The uh, Advocate. We call it the avocat Bounce. Is kind of pushing that one out, so eight to one and on all of that.
1: I have gone for Tottenham to beat Leicester, Southampton to beat Burnley, and Villa and Swansea to be a draw, which I think was about eight to one as well.
2: I've got a draw on mine as well. It'll be a draw at Anfield on Sunday between Liverpool and United. I think Arsenal will win at Newcastle, and I have Tottenham to beat Leicester. It comes to just over six and a half to one.
0: All right, lads. Well, look a safe trip. Nathan is pretty much on a weekend away.
1: Yeah, can't wait. You've Glamour. got a long,
0: long sort of uh, circuitous route to get there.
1: Yeah, fly to Manchester, drive for two and a half hours, drive back for two and a half hours, try and get back for the Classico, stay in Manchester Sunday night, and eventually get back home. Oh, going to go on yeah. the <laughs> something very
0: sleep by by There's something
1: very glamorous about um, in being in an airport hotel
2: on your own, drinking beer. Yeah, <laughs> it's. um... It's the dream. <laughs> I can see the deadness <laughs> in your eyes, Dave. It's, uh, Positivity is. Uh, we won't have podcasts yeah. next week, I don't
0: think, lads. You well. enjoy that, Nathan. Will we? Why we have Is there next a football week? next weekend? No, Oh, there's no, but there's. Well, there's not. Yeah, right. as we say, it's that. just not football unless it's Premier League. Thanks, lads. Talk Best to you again. In the world.